Podcast One. Imagine building a multi-million dollar brand that you absolutely love, only to find, due to legal reasons, you have to rebrand it. Not once, but twice. All this whilst going through an ugly separation and being a single mum of a newborn. It's a highly charged episode 502 of the award-winning Small Business Big Marketing Podcast. Well, I say, welcome to a small business marketing show, where successful small business owners share their souls. To take your marketing straight to the lead now, here's your host, Mr. Tim And welcome back to your weekly dose of marketing drama. I'm your host, Timbo Reed. you... Infinitely more importantly, you're a motivated business owner and you are ready to crank out some great marketing to build that beautiful business of yours into the empire it absolutely deserves to be. And that's exactly what we do around here. That's why this podcast exists. But if it's not enough, you can also grab a copy of my popular marketing book, The Boomerang Effect, that I wrote with you in mind over at smallbusinessbigmarketing.com. Big episode today. Bikini connoisseur. I thought that was me. Rebecca Kladinsky shares how she's built a $7 million bikini brand whilst navigating two rebrands. This week's Monster Prize Draw winner wins over a thousand bucks worth of goodies. And I let you in on next week's guest. As per usual, team, there is marketing G O L D dripping from the ceiling over here at Small Business Big Marketing's HQ. So let's get stuck right in. In just six years, Frankie Swim has burst onto the Australian fashion scene, quickly developing a tribe of loyal, bikini-loving wearers, (laughs) most of whom are women. The label then quickly found itself on the global stage thanks to the likes of Kim Kardashian, Kylie Jenner and Rihanna. It's now a runaway success, turning over $7 million this year and making founder Rebecca Kladinsky a pretty happy camper. But it hasn't all been smooth sailing as Rebecca has had to navigate an ugly separation from a partner along with two expensive and time-consuming rebrands due to legal demands. The brand is now called Exist and it's spelt double I X double I S T. And yes, I do ask Rebecca about why she chose that name. Now, this is a very, very honest chat with a passionate business owner who's now a single mum of a 20 month old baby. I started off by asking Rebecca why she walked away from studying forensic psychology in order to sell bikinis. Rebecca Kladinsky, welcome to the Small Business Big Marketing Show. Thanks for having me. Now, Beck, I've got to ask, prior to launching what was then Frankie Swim in 2013, you were studying forensic psychology. So why the shift into small business? It was a double degree, actually. It was forensic psychology and straight psychology. Um, it wasn't a shift into small business. I'd always been interested in business. It was just something that happened on the side that took off. Just a little side hustle while you're studying to sort of pay the bills. Yep. Yep, it was. Nice. Uh, hmm. So to that end... Let's talk Frankie Swim before we get into this unbelievable uh, rebranding. What made you mm. think the world needed another swimwear brand? The world did need another swimwear brand and <laughs> I just <laughs> I just put it out there. It happened way before Instagram, way before Afterpay, all of that, like this digital world that we live in um, and there was no happy medium. There was either the big brands or there was Kmart and Target. There was nothing in between. 
and there was no one doing it, and so I did it. You saw a gap in the market. Was it a, a, clearly a problem that you had that you wanted to solve? It happened. My sister came home with a bikini and she was really proud and she was showing it off and she, I said, okay, great. And she said, it's taken me so and so long to get off lay-by. And I questioned how much it was. And I thought, wow, if you're lay-buying a bikini, these two pieces <laughs> of material and you've got no money, surely it's, it's a thing. Other girls are doing that too and it shouldn't be like that. So that's where it came from. So back then, when you started, Frankie, your value proposition was quality at an affordable price? Yep. yep. Still is? Still is. It has been. Yep. It's never changed. It seems like for any business, no matter what industry we're talking, that would be a real juggling match to walk that rope, tightrope. I don't look at it like that because my focus has never been on revenue or money or price points or whatever. I've really just wanted to be able to provide something for people that was not there before and then maintain the integrity of a brand that was going so well the whole way through. It's never been sales driven or dollar driven. Mm -hmm. So no. Have you got a small business background? Is it in the family? Have you run, had you run a business before? No, never. I love it. I love it. <laughs> I've dabbled it- in businesses. Like I've always been trying to do things on the side from school and that. Um, mm. But no, it's not like that. So matter. when you came up with the idea, like, okay, there's a hole in the market. I'm going to fill that. It's mm. going to be bikinis. Mm. Were you just incredibly excited? Do you remember what it felt like way back in 2013? Or was it, was it nerve-wracking where people saying, oh, Beck, you're mad. You've got to be a forensic psychologist. <laughs> well, I'm sort of I'm the type of person that doesn't talk about anything until it's all said and done. So nobody really knew what I was doing until nice. I had the the trademarks and I had my my product to sell and everyone was sort of like, what? What are you doing? Mm-hmm. But no, I just thought I'd give it a go and if it doesn't work, then it's just money. Is that, <laughs> I like that. Is, is that how you generally operate? Don't tell yep. anyone yep. what I'm doing until Never. it's done. And yep. if it fails, I'm yep. not even going to tell them I'd had a crack. No, I'll tell them later um, <laughs> after I've, you know, wiped my tears or whatever. But I don't like to talk about it because people have high expectations then and I feel like I have to deliver to people and then I feel like I'm talking shit, sorry, mm-hmm. um, if it doesn't work out. Um, but I just keep it to myself and then do it. I interviewed um, Jamie Bartle from Outland Denim recently. Mm-hmm. Uh, he has no fashion experience. In fact, he wanted to be a cowboy. Certainly had no experience <laughs> producing jeans. An actual uh, now, cowboy? Yeah, literally a cowboy. Okay. Uh, a similar story to you, actually. His jeans are now worn by Meghan Markle, Leonardo DiCaprio. We'll get on to the celebrities that are wearing your bikinis uh, later on. But what made you... Where do you start? If you've got no fashion experience, you, 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 you have an interest in bikinis, like it's a passion, you mm. haven't run a business. Where mm. do you start in getting this business to market? So I just do what I want to do. So I wanted something that didn't exist. I wanted a bikini that I could... I practice yoga and Pilates. I wanted to be able to run from the beach to the studio or the studio to the beach. And I know that Lycra is what you would usually use in a bralette style top. So I just wanted something that didn't exist and would work for me. And that's how I started. And people needed that too, evidently. Do you sketch them up? Do you find yep. a designer? Did you no, have a factory? I just drew some, some pictures on a piece of paper and I packed my backpack, went to Bali and had conversations with people and sort of showed them what I wanted. And then mm-hmm. they came like that. Why Bali? Google told me to go to Bali. 
And from my experience dealing with people online, it was the best country for English language. It was hard with China. It was hard with Vietnam. um, But I found it was a lot easier to speak English in Bali. And that was the case? Mm. Mm-hmm. Uh, you okay? So you get some designs. I'm guessing you get a prototype made. You you mm-hmm. test it. It goes all, all all's going well. Mm-hmm. How do you, how do you get it to market? How do you get that first sale? Well, this was like I said before when Instagram had just started. Um, mm. So I started an Instagram page. I was going to markets. I I googled what a hashtag was. I just didn't know what was going on. I and still do. <laughs> yes, <Yeah>, same. <laughs> um, But that's how it was. I was going to the markets and I was posting on Instagram and then I had a Shopify store that I was figuring out how to use and that was how it happened. I love the old market thing. That's how Spell and the Gypsy Collective started, interviewing the sisters from... Yeah, absolutely. From their car boot at the Byron Bay markets. Mm. They were selling selling jewellery and then they started to design some dresses and... Probably around the same time too. Whether it be... Yeah, that's right. Whether it be a real-time market or, you know, testing things on a marketplace like Instagram, it's such a wonderful way to get a sense of whether people like what you're doing or not. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know? If people, I mean, you sort of, you do listen but you don't listen. If people had said that's no good, what would you have done? Would you have kept going or pivoted or? Yeah, I would have pivoted. Um, mm. I wouldn't have stopped. I would have listened to what they were telling me to do or what they had wanted, but nothing would have stopped me. Um, the only thing that would have stopped me would be cash flow or just me losing interest in what I was doing because it was going nowhere, but I wouldn't have stopped. Your first year, was it just a dream? Was yeah, there was... a moment when you found yourself in the fetal position rocking back and forth in the corner? <laughs> <laughs> no, <laughs> that's coming these days, actually. <laughs> okay, we'll, we'll get to that. I'm sorry to hear that. Is that no. okay? Um, no, the first year was. A, it's always. It's all been a dream, really. It's been good. There haven't been any shitty times that I can think of mm-hmm. um, when I'm building this successful company. Or what do you put that down to? Because there's business owners listening right now, going, "Jeez, mm, I wish I had her run." What have you done right? I think it's just mindset because, yeah, I, w- you know, I wish I had the run of a lot of other people as well, but it's just mindset because anything could change in a second and we all learnt that with this COVID stuff, mm. um, but it's how you apply yourself and, you know, whatever is going to happen is going to happen however it's meant to happen. So just keep doing it and keep going and there's no point, you know, feeling crap about things if it's not working the way that you should, change it or move on. You're glass half full kind of business yeah. owner. Yeah. Generally in life. Yeah. Very So when something does happen and you've had some, some tough times, which again we'll come to, mm-hmm. what do you do? You, I guess you, I know you keep going, but like how do you keep going? Because I don't tell a lot of people what's really going on behind the scenes and what's happening. I don't feel that pressure. Um I just keep going. Like I'll have a little mm. bit of a cry here and there, but mm-hmm. I just get it together. I don't really have an option either. I don't have an option to stop at this point. Yeah, the brand right. is no too plan big. B. Yeah. Yeah, that's um, a good one. So I can pivot and change, mm-hmm. but yeah, no plan B. In in that first year as you're building Frankie Swim, what mm. role did marketing play in your success? Everything. Marketing was everything. I was doing it blindly though. 
So, uh, you know, all this market research, I look back now and it was market research, but mm. Twitter and Instagram and Facebook and hearing from the customers and looking at the likes and the comments and everything, it was so important because without that foundation or without that base that I grew and built, I, I wouldn't know where I wouldn't be here today. And, and and social media, when we speak about marketing, because you say marketing is everything, and I also say everything is marketing. Mm. Was, was was social media your best friend back then? Bestest bud ever. Continues yes. to be? It does. I'm a mm-hmm. social media, the brand is a social media brand. It's made for um, it. Yeah. So I've done, you know, magazine ads and billboards and TV and that, but it's nothing compared to social media. Well, you've tried a few things. Mm-hmm. What's your number one tip? to be successful on social media. And again, you've got a bit of a walk-up start selling bikinis, mm. but mm-hmm. outside of that, there's a lot of business owners listening from all sorts of ind- industries. What's your number one tip? Stay in your lane. I feel like it's so easy to look at what everybody else is doing, how they're posting, how they're hashtagging, what their mm. content looks like and their filters. But then once you start to look like everybody else, you lose your own identity and people like individuality, especially now with so many so much stuff, it's nice to stand out. And I think that translates to the audiences. Couldn't agree more. Individuality, you know, we talk about points of difference in business and in a world of sameness, Mm. no shortage of bikinis, no shortage Mm. of washing powders, no shortage Mm. of car brand, you know, like what's going to differentiate us? It is. I mean, one of the things is personality and and honouring who you are. And for you, I guess there's in within Frankie and within Exist, and that's the name change that we'll come to, I guess there's a lot of you. It's all me. Yep. It's all you. It is all me. And I think that's, that's it. Once you, once your brand loses that part that you've put into it, your customers will sense that and everyone will know that. So once you sell out, I think it's, you know, you know what it looks like. You know how it feels when you see someone that's, yeah, not being, not being, dare I say, use the word, the cliched word, authentic. Authentic, yes. <laughs> yes. You had a real kick along when celebs started buying your bikinis. Mm. Uh, I've interviewed a number of guests over the years. We, I mentioned James from, from Outland Denim. We had Sophie Lovejoy from Sant and Abel Pajamas, mm. uh, who has celebs wearing hers. She, she actually went about it a very different way to you. She actively sought out um, the Kardashians. How, how did you – tell us who's worn your bikinis and, and how did that happen? Um, the Kardashian Kim was the biggest one for me. I'm still yet to get to Beyonce. I'm trying. Mm. Um, Kylie Jenner, the Hadids, Rihanna, they have all happened organically. So I haven't sought out celeb endorsements. We've received emails from their stylists and they come through with screenshots as well. And I'm always like, that's so cool. Kim's been on my page. Um, but they're always organic requests that come direct to us, never to PR, never to anywhere else but our inbox. Tell us about the first time you got an email from a publicist of, I don't know, who was it? A Kardashian. The uh, Jenner. Yeah. Kylie. Yeah. Tell us the day. Oh, I can remember it. It was just great. And I thought, wow, we better get that to her. And then I started to think, oh, my God, these people get everything for free. They get everything in the world. Um, and then we sent it out and then she wore it and it was great and it put us on the 
cemented. Put it on the map. Put you on the map. Yeah, the map. Yeah, the map. I'd like to see that map one day and put myself on it, but um, that would have been amazing. It is funny, isn't it? I mean, you look at these people and yet they have their stylists or publicists reach out and say, you know, my client would like one of your bikinis. Mm, they don't mm-hmm. mention, you know, where do mm-hmm. I deposit the money? Yeah, it's <laughs> just because they know what they can do for the brand. Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, so happy to and And so... You dispatched some bikinis to uh, sorry who well, I get so confused with the Kardashians one of the Kardashians. Mm-hmm. Kylie Did Jenner you, is the one that was on Forbes. Okay, she's the, the one with uh, the, the lip the, stuff. The, <laughs> the large lips. She um, is the youngest female billionaire in the world, isn't she? Yes. So, did you package it up nicely, or did she just get yeah. you know <laughs> the same yeah, box I would have got up. if I? We packaged it like we would every other order. So Good we on didn't you. do a big thing for we don't do that though. Is that something mm. that I should be doing? I just treat everyone the same. I quite like the idea of being of treating everyone the same. I've actually never thought about that until you've said it. I've never done a big right. box or anything like that for the celebs. I would have thought did you send it I would have thought you'd send it to the publicist, right? So she probably Ooh. never even saw the packaging. Publicist might have even taken it out and tried it on herself before passing it on. I don't know. Um, (laughs) The next thing you did, she then actively post on social. How did you know that she got it? So they go on their holidays, and then Uh, we, I have my team looking at photos, and I'm scrolling Instagram and all of the, you know, the TMZs and those sort of mm -hmm. mm, paparazzi pages for the photos, Mm -hmm. and then you just wait for them to be on a boat or taking selfies on the beach, and then there it is. And hashtagged you or... Doesn't hashtag because it's not a paid post. So we have to do the work. We have to really stalk these girls. Once we know that they've got their product, our product, Mm -hmm. we have to do the work and just watch it all. And what impact on sales did it have? It it just sells out. It sells out within 24 hours and then it goes on back order. And then those bikinis, they're still with me today, but they are just core bikinis now. They're not going to go anywhere anytime soon. You've done some other interesting marketing. Tell us about the digital pop-up sales you did, uh, online pop-up sales store that you did. You did 80K within 24 hours. Yeah, that was great. We always get a request to do a pop-up sale. I've done one here on the Gold Coast. Um, I've done one in New York during Fashion Week. But this thought sort of came to me that you've got I've got the whole world to service. And when we're posting a Gold Coast pop-up or a New York pop-up and I've got girls in Canada and Fiji and Singapore sending us sad face emojis that they can't be a part of it. I thought, no, let's do it this way. Let's be digital. Like we are digital. Mm-hmm. So I bought a um, another landing page in a different URL and it was password protected and they had to get the password from us on Instagram and that in turn increased our engagement on Instagram. Um, so it sort of corrected a bit of the algorithm when they were changing that and we put everything pop-up prices and we pop-uped we popped up on the world, around the whole world. I love that. That's quite brave. So let me understand that. You have registered a new domain name. Mm-hmm. You have not only registered a new domain name, which no one knows about, you password protect it. Mm-hmm. The only way you can get it is by mm-hmm. being is following you on Instagram and it's mm-hmm. only there for 24 hours. Is that right? Yeah, we did it first for 24 hours and then we did it for a weekend and then we did it for a five-day. But, you know, it increased our open rate for newsletter engagement. It increased our social media Instagram engagement and it was just bonkers. Um, I love a bit of scarcity. That's exciting. Yeah. 
good. Any sort of any other genius marketing? Not this, this is not a time to be humble, Rebecca. So anything else you go, <laughs> you, you know what, Tim? We also uh, did this and it created this. Anything you're well, really proud of? I am actually. The last couple of days during this COVID stuff, mm-hmm. um, last Thursday, I did. I gave everyone fifty dollars for free. That was on our mailing list, and that did subscribe to our mailing list. So instead of getting spam, you got fifty dollars to use on the store. Um, be, and that was because our abandoned cart rate was up to eighty six percent. Wow. And then our sales went up to two, went up by two hundred and thirty seven percent over the last four days, nice. just by offering that fifty dollars. But the offer came from a place like everyone is hurting, and you know I'm seeing mm. these I'm seeing these abandoned carts. Girls are shopping, but they can't check out because they've lost their jobs or they're not getting paid or whatever. So I just really wanted to help. I didn't. It wasn't sales driven, um, but it worked. How many $50 notes did you give away? Well, no, they weren't notes, but like... Hundreds, thousands maybe. <laughs> wow. Right. Well, it's yeah. clearly worked for you. Open rate up is up on the newsletter again. That's all you can ask for. Now, yeah. I want to talk about the rebranding, but just give us a sense of how big Frankie Swim got. Turnover, staff, SKUs. Just give us a sense of that because then you have to rebrand. Okay, so SKUs, thousands, staff, under 10. But it got big. Yep. It got big. And then you had to rebrand. In fact, talking to you yesterday in our little quick pre-interview, you've not done one rebrand, but two. two. You started off as Frankie Swimwear. Mm-hmm. You then became Frankie Swim. Mm-hmm. And now you are, it's pronounced exist, but spelt double I-X, double I-S-T. Mm-hmm. Take us through this. Because I just think, you know, anytime I hear rebrand, Beck, in any business, I get a little shiver and, and actually say to myself, I'm glad it's not me. So why the first rebrand? First rebrand, there was a little bit of confusion in the market. I registered my business name in 2012. There was another swim brand overseas that had a similar name. Um, We had been going back and forth for a few years, maybe one or two years. We sort of settled on the terms that I would change my name and we would part ways. I did that. Um, so I had to, phonetically, it was the same. It was spelt differently. It looked differently. Um, and we went there. So that was why the first one happened. Second one, second time around with the same group of people, it was still a bit of confusion in the market. Um, you know, there's Frankie coffee and scrubs and clothing. It was just becoming, yep, yep, too much. And then I was blindsided. It happened again, um, and it was just a really crap time mm-hmm. to be doing it again to my poor audience, to my poor consumers. And then we, at the start of this year, signed another deed and we, we moved on. We've moved what do you on. mean you were blindsided? Just because there was the initial set of deed that was done. You know, there was a terms that we had to adhere to and we, had, we shook hands and we walked away and then they weren't happy. Um, so we had to do it. Just to be again. clear, there, you the people that you so you rebranded to Frankie Swim. You thought you'd solved the problem, but the people overseas who had Frankie Swimwear Whatever, or something yeah. was were still not happy. Yeah, and so then you're forced to completely change things and come up with a whole new name. Well, they at didn't. The start of this it, year. It, yeah, it wasn't sort of forced. It was sort of me just saying, I don't even w- want it. 
I don't yeah. want it anymore. You've put, you've left a bad taste in my mouth and going through this process, it's just ugly. It's not who I am. It's not anything that I would like to be doing and mm. it's sort of tainted my business and my company and I, I think um, what pushed them more the second time, even the first time, was I have a lot of consumers in the US. My ratio is probably 20-80, so 20 being Aussie and 80 being US and wow. they're a US-based business, yeah. And then you've got the Kardashians and Jenners and it was just becoming Too annoying. Yeah. So you make the decision for a complete rebrand this time. Mm-hmm. I've got to ask you, like mm-hmm. the name, it's a mm-hmm. tough one. Double I-X, double I-S-T. Well, uh, visually, it looks kind of interesting. I mean, this is me, some, you mm-hmm. know, 50-year-old bloke. What would he know? That's but right. um, uh, visually, it looks interesting. I-, I had no idea how to pronounce it until I saw on your website that it says, I think you even actually say pronounced, pronounced exist. exist. D- just take us through. Why? Why have you gone with it? I wanted a really edgy, different name and going into the rebrand, going into the rename, I wanted a name that wasn't a word. I'm so aware of trademark and legal issues that may arise once you reach a certain point now. I wanted something that couldn't be taken away from me from somebody else that already exists, I don't know, in Kuwait or anywhere. So I I wanted a made-up word. And I wanted to play on the double I from the Frankie. So I wanted to incorporate that. And the meaning of exist is sort of like, I hit this point and I was like, how do I exist? How am I going to exist? What's going to happen? And we just, we got there. So there's a story behind it too, which is always nice with a brand name. Yep. Do you love it? Love it. The feedback has been great too. What is involved in a rebrand? How big is that job? I'm, I'm looking at and going... Name, logo, visual identity, all the social handles, website. I mean, it's everything. The little things that you don't think about the CEO, the Google AdWords, the, the Shopify store, the little tiny things that pop up on your mobile phone, like next to the www dot. It's every little thing, packaging, liners. It's. It's even published news articles that have the old URL tag to. Frankie Swimwear or Frankie Swim that you have to fix. It's email addresses. It's the whole thing. It's horrible. Take us through the process. Do you sit down and do a shopping list of all the touch points that Frankie Swim has out there? Yeah. And then what? You tell us. Prioritise. Take it off. Yeah. You just put it in social media, housekeeping stuff, emails, web stuff, advertising stuff. And then it's, you know, even we had to pull back on marketing because we would spend money on social media marketing or advertising in magazines. And that hashtag is dead after a year. That ad is dead. So we had to pull back on everything. How do you re? I mean, how many Instagram? You've got about what is it? Two fifty, three hundred thousand. Yeah. How do you not lose them? Just because don't you have to sort of start again? You can't just change the URL on your Instagram. Um, yeah, you actually can. After it takes a while with Instagram, and it's very frustrating dealing with those bots. But you can do it. You have to get a lot of legal documents and a lot of stuff from. Um, you know, the other side to prove that this is your name and this is what has happened and this is who you are now. 
Um, but Instagram don't like name changes. Mm. You can do it. So we've retained the audience. And in the lead up to the name change, I sort of had dates. So the posting and the stories and everything aligned with what was happening. And I wanted to be very transparent with this is where we're going. I think on the last day before we did change the name, I was on the stories and I did a, a post that explained a little bit of what was happening. Um, so it wasn't just like waking up in the morning and who is this brand because that's so shocking and stupid. Mm. Yeah. I, I suppose from an upside point of view, it's an opportunity to, you know, put the brand back front and centre and, mm-hmm. and talk about it. Mm-hmm. How, how did you communicate the change besides doing an Instagram story the day before and constantly telling people on the website or, you know, in your email signature, you know, formerly known as Frankie Swim, but mm. how do you effectively and overtly go out to the masses, because you've got a tribe. It's one of those brands that I imagine yeah, there yep. are people who love what you do. Love and it. they just, you know, they're waiting for the next design and they're waiting yep. for the next piece of content. Yep. How do you communicate it in a way that doesn't piss people off and that the actual message sinks in that there's nothing different except the name? It's being consistent. I had to consistently reiterate in every second or third post what was happening and why it was happening. Because I am a social media brand that is that is where the revenue comes from. So I have to talk to these people and it has to be consistent. It has to stay the same and I can't freak them out any more than what they are already scared about because mm-hmm. a brand change is weird. It's strange. It could be owned by different people for all they know. It could be different material. It could just not be who they knew. Mm-hmm. So it was just consistency in the messaging. Much, much negative kickback? None. What I did find, though, is that I had to be on there. I was talking. I was signing off on the posts with my name, on the stories, on the emails with my name. I didn't want it just to be a post or an EDM. I -hmm. wanted it to come straight from me. Was there a moment during this rebrand, Beck, where you've gone, in the words of talking heads, my God, what have I done? Mm, No, not what I've done. I love it. I just, my God, what's going on? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What did it cost? Legal fees alone. Do we talk about legal fees? It's cost a lot. It's cost a lot in legal fees. Um, But I'm just happy to sink some money back into marketing and just go hard again. Mm -hmm. So it's just an investment, really. I look at it like that. I'm investing into the future of the brand. I'm not going to push you. You avoided the question, but it obviously cost a lot. Would you do it again? Do I have to do it again? No, that's right. Not with a name like double I X double I S T. It's a yeah, bit like Prince going not. to a symbol. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. So no. now you've got the, the house is in order. The house of exist swim or swimwear. Yeah, or it the is. Print. It's a nice it, it, feeling. It, it is in order. Yeah. You've got some personal stuff going on and I appreciate and respect the fact that you've shared that with us. Mm-hmm. Um, you've just, you've had a, a, a little baby Yes, last year boy. and a half. Yep. People sometimes look at successful business owners and go, oh, lucky them. Look at them. It's a dream run. And you, you've had a sort of dream run in one sense, but in another sense, there's some there's some pretty heavy stuff going on in your life. And, and thank you again. Yesterday in our pre-interview, you said you're mm. happy to go mm-hmm. there. Mm. How are I'll you managing? I'll just start with you. <laughs> I'm managing as best I can. Look, if I didn't have the company... I don't know how I would be doing this because it is my happy place. Um, the partner that I was referring to was with me on the rise of the company. The company was established before we were together, before I even knew him. Um, and we since separated and I've just had him at me in the background 
while this is all going on, while I'm dealing with a newborn alone, trying to take half of everything essentially. So that's still there. It doesn't go away. Mm. And if I didn't have my work, I'd bloody be insane. You're a workaholic? Yes. How many hours? Come on. How many hours a day? Oh, all day. All, all day. Night? I will take sometimes, yeah. You sometimes. love it. Sometimes. Yeah, I do love it. Yeah. Who who do you, you have you still got I think you mentioned 10 staff earlier. Mhm. How many staff you got now? Oh, COVID. No. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. 5. Do you have a mentor? Who do you bounce off? Who do you seek solace from when you are doing it tough? My partner. That's it. I don't like Good. to give my stuff to other people because right. I know that I can figure it out. I know that even when it's hard, I'm, I know where I can get myself. I know where I've gotten myself. I know I can get myself out of stuff. I think just the added pressure comes from having my son and that is sort of the, the hair that breaks the camel's back. Is that what it yeah. is? Uh, yeah. The, probably the straw. The straw, yeah. Yeah. I think camels don't have hair. It's wool. I don't know. <laughs> We'll check that. We'll Google but it later. Just having that, like I can deal, I can do it. But if I have to bounce stuff off, it's definitely my partner. It's no one else. I don't give it to anyone. The house that exists is in order. You you love marketing. You, mm, you mentioned earlier it. It, you, you can now roll the sleeves up and get back into it. Is there anything in particular that you're testing, you're trying that's really working for you? I've, during COVID actually, I've had to, because some of the social girls or the, our ambassadors are not in our region and it's going into winter uh, sorry they're in our region so it's coming into winter and they can't do the selfies and they can't get out so actually I've had to jump on and I'm posting selfies or uh, mm-hmm. there are selfies of me so I'm testing that seems to be yep. working well do people know it's you yeah because yep. the girls will post this is Beck in her bikini yeah um, right but I feel like they need that. The audience need that right now. They need an identity to these brands that they're buying stuff from because money is so scarce and you mm. don't want to just throw it around. They want mm. to know where who these brands are. I think it's really interesting small business owners putting their face and name, whether it be directly to the product like you just suggested or, you know, putting themselves out there on their own podcast or YouTube channel or whatever it is. I just think it personalises things. And it does, think, though. Did you see Richard Branson talking about his the virgin thing? Did you see no. that go? Well, he jumped on Instagram too and he gave a, an apology or he gave his hmm. side of things and then you've got like, Elon Musk and you've got Steve Jobs and you've got all of these people and you know who their brand is, you know who mm. what you're buying. You mentioned uh, transparency Transparency as a business owner when we are talking yesterday and, and mm. you're all for it. Mm-hmm. What do you say to business owners that are a bit kind of shy of putting themselves out there or being too transparent and, you know, putting on a, a brave face when things aren't going so well or... I think both of those things will work for a short amount of time, but it would be detrimental to your brand mm. because there would be no longevity in holding up a front or withholding information. You can't mm. get anywhere with that in life, in business. I just don't think you can get anywhere if you're not telling the truth or you're not open mm. about things. Beck, a, a specific question. You're, mm. You've got two domain names for your website, australia-exist.com, <laughs> international-exist.com. Why can't mm-hmm. you just have exist.com and have the browser recognise where the buyer is? Um, because the Australian store charges in Australian dollars and it applies GST and it services all of Australia. The international store charges in USD and I, um, I'm an LLC as well, so I trade in America. Uh, got it. Just needed to know that. Those little things worry me. 
Do they? <laughs> why? Well, I like to know. They don't worry me. I just oh, like to know. That's why, yeah. But if yeah. you go to America, you'll be redirected to the international store because it's going to pick up your IP address if you're on the Wi-Fi. There you go. Yeah. Any chance of a mankini coming down the line in the next few months? No chance. Everyone hmm. asks me that. No one wants a mankini anyway. <laughs> I think every man wants one on his shelf. Whether he chooses to wear it or not is another thing. Uh, you know, yeah. quick, okay. <laughs> send you know. me a DM if you ever put one on. <laughs> well, I'll if you do, if you that. do make one, yeah. uh, I'll, I'll, I'll selfie it. I'll be one yeah. of your ambassadors. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> might, might need a little bit of manscaping before. Yeah, I'll let I you do know that. how the social media, you know, the engagement goes up. Yeah, that. yeah. Don't hold your breath. Do it not could hold go your viral. breath. It would. Yeah, for all the wrong reasons. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Yeah. I'd like something to go viral, but for the right reasons, not because yeah. there's Tim in a mankini, you know. <laughs> I think it's a great story, Beck. Well done. Thank you so on, much on, for having me. Well, absolutely our pleasure because, you know, it, you, you're a classic guest. You're the reason I start started this show 11 years ago, just seeing yeah. someone build something out of an interest or a passion, making it successful, using marketing to get them there. Mm-hmm. And um, and dealing with the the bumps along the way because business ain't necessarily easy all the time, but it should be fun all the yeah. time. Yeah, yeah, I know. You know, it that would be, be my view. So yeah. well done. Uh, the website's as I said, Australia hyphen exist double i x double i s t. Just go to exist.com okay. and it will redirect you. Oh, of course. <laughs> yeah, you should have yeah. told me that. I think yeah. you did. Yeah. <laughs> <Thank> <laughs> Rebecca Kladinsky, so thank you. Have a lovely day. Well, there you go, team. Self-confessed bikini connoisseur Rebecca Kladinsky of Exist. How do you spell that? Double I X double I S T. Forensic psychology to bikinis. What an interesting career progression. I know which one I'd rather. Here's what grabbed my attention from that chat with Rebecca. Attention grabber number one. I love her mindset of seeing opportunities, not problems. And that links so many of the successful business owners I've had on this show together. They have a sort of glass half full mindset. Attention grabber number two, I love Rebecca's willingness to be transparent and tell it how it is. Makes for a very, very strong brand, I reckon, and a really strong personal brand on Rebecca's behalf. Attention grabber number three, I love her deep respect for the power of marketing. Again, something that links the majority of my guests on this show. I hope you're building that respect as well. That's what grabbed my attention, what grabbed yours, whatever it is. Be sure to block it out in your diary and find time to implement it. Come on down. It's Timbo's Monster Prize Draw. That's right. It's time to reward another motivated listener for taking some pretty serious marketing action. And today's winner is Talita Jukes of digital marketing agency 8seconds.com.au. Now, I know Talita is a very involved listener and longtime listener of this show because she occasionally reaches out via email and social media, and I love that. She says, Howdy, Timbo. G'day, Talita. Things I have specifically taken away and applied in my own service delivery are one percenters, wow my clients with the little touches, go the extra mile. I like deliver homemade treats, I send cards, something in the post to my clients to thank them for inviting them me to work with them on their business when I win a contract. I think that's great. Celebrate those wins. 
Don't be afraid to share. In a small market, I was concerned at one point about sharing information about how I do things until listening to your podcast one day and reading your book. <laughs> You're the one. I realized that by actually diving a little deeper and sharing certain things with clients a little more intimately, I was inevitably speeding up the no like trust process for my business and therefore sales. That's a great learning. And finally, don't worry about what your competitors are doing, says Talita. Stay in your own lane. Warm regards, Talita Jukes, 8seconds.com.au. Awesome learnings there, Talita. I am so, so glad that you have implemented them. Here's what you win, Talita. Uh, a full range of Liars Non-Alcoholic Spirits, a hardcover copy of Jamie Mustard's book, The Iconist. Uh, you got a Bonjoro license, vouchers for flora and fauna, get some vegan stuff and some tradies underwear vouchers or a tradies underwear voucher as well. Some Mr. Lee's noodles, promotion on this show, which you just got and a backlink in the show notes. Thanks again, Talita. Everyone else, if you want to enter, just 100 words or less. Share an idea you've implemented from listening in and what impact it's had on your business. And if I read your email out on air, you win. That just about brings us to the end. A reminder that you will find plenty more where this came from on the Podcast One Australia app, plus my entire archive of episodes and blog posts full of ideas to grow that beautiful business of yours over at smallbusinessbigmarketing.com. Next time we catch up with Tennessee-based Brian Clayton, who built and sold a multi-million dollar lawn care business to then create Greenpell, which is basically the Uber for those who need their lawn mode. It's a pretty cool little business actually, and he's smashing it. If you're getting value from this podcast, please share it around to other business owners you know. This podcast was presented by me, Timbo Reed, and beautifully pulled together by the well-fed team at Podcast One Australia. Until next time, thanks for tuning in. Now get out there and take action. <laughs> <laughs>